Do you really believe in the perfect murder? Yes, absolutely. On paper, that is. But I doubt if I could carry it out. Oh? Why not? Well, because in stories, things usually turn out the way the author wants them to, and in real life, they don't. You're trying to blackmail me into... Into... Murdering your wife. few minutes work that's all it is one thousand pounds in cash goodbye there guys welcome back uh Cass here and uh that's right diving back into part two of uh Alfred Hitchcock thanks for your patience um busy busy little time in my own my own life so uh appreciate it while you guys let me put this together um really diving into some of my favorite Alfred Hitchcock stuff here so really excited um so uh let's begin so uh of course like I said we had followed off with I Confess which followed with three colored films starring the infamous Grace Kelly you know essentially she would move on to marry the Prince of Morocco um but essentially we start with Dial M for Murder which was the um movie we trailer we just listened to uh if you haven't seen it you should totally check it out this is a, a killer film from 1954. Uh, again, from that same year, we've got Rear Window, and then the following year, we're going to get To Catch a Thief. So, to dial uh, in Dial M for Murder, Ray Million plays the villain who tries to murder his unfaithful wife, Kelly, for her money. Uh, she kills the hired... Um, well, I guess... Spoiler alert, but anyway, she kills the hired assassin in self-defense, so Milan manipulates the evidence to make it look like a murder. Her lover, Mark Halliday, Robert Cummings, and police investigator Hubbard, which is John Williams, save her from execution. And during this time, he was experimenting with 3D cinematography. Uh, so, some pretty cool stuff. Um, so then he's gonna, Hitchcock's going to move over to Paramount Pictures and film Rear Window, starring James Stewart and Kelly again. And this is also going to pull on Thelma Ritter and Raymond Burr. So Stewart's character is a photographer um, who's temporarily using a wheelchair. And out of boredom, he begins observing the neighbors across the courtyard, then becoming convinced that one of them, Raymond Burr, has murdered his wife. Great episode of The Simpsons um, about this. And um, yeah, no time like the present. So. so boring. I know. I'll use this to peer into Springfield's seamy underbelly. Oh. It turned out it was his evil twin. 
Grace, come here. There's a sinister-looking kid I want you to see. Oh, I'm never, ever going to see anything interesting with this stupid piece of junk. That came from Flanders' house. Oh, my God. What have I done? I've killed her! Can't be what it looks like. This is Flanders we're talking about. Now I'll just watch some TV. I'm sure we all have seen that episode like a million times. It's one of my favorites. Um, and of course you find out that he didn't. It was just the damn house plant. But anyways, so Stewart eventually manages uh, to convince the policeman, Buddy, um, who's crim that his girlfriend and his girlfriend and essentially you know the story kind of goes from there and then we have as life boat with rope the principal characters are depicted in confined or cramped quarters and in this case it you know you kind of have Stuart studio apartment so those two those two films kind of correlate now Hitchcock uses close-ups of Stewart's face to show his character's reaction from comic voyeurism directed at his neighbors to helpless terror watching Kelly and Burr in the villain's apartment and uh yeah these are definitely two of my favorites and um in today's standards hugely just the, the huge impact so you definitely have to check it out so um like we did in the first one opening with hitchcock presents um you know this was his own kind of television series it's going to run from 55 to 65 so a whole decade um and i mean it's his droll delivery with humor and iconic imagery you know it's a and of course hitchcock's face at this point has become a huge celebrity um and just the title sequence of the show alone was very minimalist and it's just a caricature of his profile which he drew himself which is composed of actually only nine strokes um and his silhouette is then filled in the series of the tune funeral march of the marionette by the french composer charles uh Gounand. i pronounced that right <clears throat> and uh, i mean i don't know it's kind of like a weird little twilight zone it's kind of a funky show it's in itself and there is some episodes on youtube so if you haven't seen i definitely worth check they're definitely worth checking out they're just kind of magical and good fun all in their own way <clears throat> so in 1955 hitchcock became a united states citizen the same year his third grace kelly film to catch a thief uh, another classic so just before we begin personalities who were made for each other. And now, Alfred Hitchcock brings them into very close contact in this perfect tale of romantic intrigue, filmed on the beautiful French Riviera. You have a very strong grip, the kind of burglar needs. 
why you came out here, isn't it? The scandalous romance that shocked even the blasé international set between this restless, thrill-hunting American heiress and the notorious man of mystery the French underworld called the Cat. For the game they played was not played for money, and the characters they played with played for keeps. No one but Hitchcock could create such relentless excitement, filling the screen with fireworks as he matches the blazing talents of these two great stars in the love affair of the year. Look, the trailer kind of proceeds on and on in in that nature, but uh, anyways, it it really kind of fun, witty, light weight kind of movie, um, and it would end up being um, you know it was just good natured and ended up proving to be a huge commercial success. Sadly, going to be the last film for Hitchcock as as I said, she moves on to marry Prince Rainer of Morocco. Monaco in 1956 um, and ending her film career altogether. Now, some things I read, she was Hitchcock was really pissed about this. Um, you know, he wanted her to continue on with what he had in mind for her and kind of how dare she move on to something else. And really, like, come on, Hitch. Jeez. <laughs> but anyways, teach their own but different times I guess um so uh she moves on marries and he moves on of course in his career to um remake his own 1934 film The Man Who Knew Too Much in 56 uh going back to James Stewart um and uh, just you know continue on from there so uh The Wrong Man in 57 um which will be his final film for Warner Brothers it is kind of a low-key black and white production um and it's the real life case of mistaken identity reported in Life magazine of 53 um it's the only film of Hitchcock to star Henry Fonda playing store club musician St- mistaken for a liquor store's thief who's arrested in trial for robbery while his wife um you know emotionally collapses under the strain and so on and so forth now the next film vertigo uh again he's gonna pull on james stewart um and this time kim novak and um barbara bell gids uh, and he wanted vera mills to play the lead but she was pregnant so that didn't work out and uh he told arenia the least i'm offering her big perp uh the chance to become a beautiful sophisticated blonde a real actress and we've spent a heap of dollars on it and she had the bad taste to get pregnant i hate pregnant women because then they have children so you know i don't know these are the kind of quotes that make me think i don't think i'd get along very well with hitchcock if i had to work with him um and why i don't think he particularly was happy with kelly you know moving on for marriage and family um, so in the film, uh, James plays Scotty, a former police investigator suffering from arachophobia, said that right, um, and develops an, an obsession with women. Uh, he has been hired to shadow, uh, or he has an obsession with a woman he's been hired to shadow. Ugh, sorry. And uh, of course, this leads to tragedy, and this time Hitchcock does not apt for an, a happy ending, just forewarned. Um, and uh, Roger Ebert, as well as Donald Spotto, agree that Vertigo is his most personal and revealing film. And um, dealing with obsessions of man who crafts a woman and 
a woman desires and women he desires. Ugh, sorry, what a woman in that sentence. <laughs> uh, Vertigo explores more frankly and at greater length his interest in the relation between sex and death and other work in his film, then other work in his filmography. So, and of course, Vertigo contains this really neat camera technique and it was developed by Ehrman Roberts and is confirmed commonly referred to as dolly zoom that's been copied many times by filmmakers um and it's this film would premiere at san sebastian's international film festival and hitchcock would win a silver seashell uh sorry just i had to tell you guys because that just sounded like the lamest word ever um like geez what are we Ariel. Um, but anyways, uh, Vertigo is considered a classic. And of course, it's it has attracted some negative reviews and poor box office receipts at the time. Um, but I don't know if you've seen it. I thought it was kind of cool. It's kind of neat. I don't know, the, just the camera technique alone. But anyways, let's hear a little bit from the trailer. Vertigo, a feeling of dizziness, a swimming in the head. Figuratively, a state in which all things seem to be engulfed in a whirlpool of terror, as created by Alfred Hitchcock in the story that gives new meaning to the word suspense. I don't want to die. There's someone inside me. She says I must die. Scotty, don't let me go. A beautiful girl haunted by the desperate, unexplainable urge to destroy herself. A man possessed by the paralyzing vertigo that made him afraid of high places. Easy now. Oh, no. Oh, no. Ah, where's the sash? I look up. I look down. I look up. I look... What was the strange... Anyways, the, I don't know, trailers at this time are really funny to me because I feel like they just kind of give away the whole plot. This carries on in that way. It just gives away everything. So I want you guys to check this film out if you haven't. Um, so in 2002, Sight and Sound Pulse just ranked it behind Citizen Kane. Not to put some pressure on it, but again, that's Vertigo. It's right behind Citizen Kane. It's a pretty influential film. So moving on to um, basically what my first introduction to Hitchcock was uh, Vertigo, which was uh, his three most, following Vertigo, uh, his three most successful films like I said, my first introduction as well, uh, recognized among his best, North by Northwest Psycho and The Birds so North by Northwest, Cary Grant portrays Roger Thornhill, a Madison Avenue advertising executive who's mistaken for a government secret agent he's hotly pursued across the United States by enemy agents, including, including it appears, Eve Kendall um, Eva Marie Saint and Thornhill first believes Kendall is helping him and that she is an enemy agent but eventually he learns she's working undercover for the CIA uh, it, it, good really neat film should worth checking out really action packed and you know if, it's not really horror per se but it's still Gets the heart going. Um, and uh, did did really well, actually, at the box office during the time. No, Psycho. One of my personal, absolute favorites. If I was ever on a deserted island, I think um, this would be the film that I would totally end up watching. Here we have a quiet little motel. When, in fact, it has now become known as the scene of the crime. Can you have a vacancy? Oh, we have 12 vacancies. 
this the first place it looks like it's hiding from the world? I think that we're all in our private traps, clamped in them. And none of us can ever get out. Is anyone at home? Oh, that, that, uh, that must be my mother. Is anything wrong? guys if you want to hear more about psycho check out one of my earlier podcasts because of course i've covered this guy before it's you know one of my favorites it's just one of the best films ever so um arguably arguably hitchcock's best known film it's based on robert block's novel psycho from 59 which was inspired by the case of ed gein if you guys don't know who ed gein is check him out um i really hope you do if you're following my podcast then I'm sure you guys are huge true crime nuts, horror bingers, you know, and recognize that the Ed Gein case basically influenced one, three of the top horror icons being Hannibal Lecter, um, Leatherface, and of course, uh, I'm thinking one more, but I can't remember it, but it'll come to me. Um, pressing that I can't remember. But anyways, back to Psycho. Um, Of course, the budget for this was really small. In fact, Hitchcock, of course, had to put his house up on a remortgage. Um, And of course, the early death scene of the... uh, Anyways, let's start over. So, um, you know, like I said, small budget, but this film added up to be one of the most just impact... It, it, it left such an impact on on people. So I mean, you know, the uh, the unprecedented violence of the shower scene, the early death of the heroine, the innocent lives extinguished by a disturbed murderer, became the hallmarks of a new horror film genre, and the public just loved it. I mean, lines were stretching outside the cinemas. They loved the fact that there was rules associated with it. You had to be in, and once the doors closed, there was no out, um, and no coming in after it started. You had to see from beginning to end, and. I gotta give Hitchcock, you know, credit for that. That's pretty cool. Um, the film was most profitable, of course, of his career, and personally earned him the well in excess of fifteen million. Um, and he subsequently swapped the rights to Psycho and his TV and now anthology for 150 shares of MCA, making him the third largest th- shareholder on um, and his own boss at Universal, in theory at least. Um, although that did not stop them uh, from interfering. <laughs> every damn chance they got and that really ticked him off so following the first film psycho um of course we'd move on to another one of my favorites um but before he would end up with birds of course he there's the uh i hope i'm saying this right truth true up interview so on his 63rd birthday the french director francois truffaut began a 50-hour interview with hitchcock which and that was filmed over eight days at Universal Studios. Basically, Hitchcock agreed to answer 500 questions. It took four years to transcribe the tapes and organize the images, and it was published as a book in 67. Um, and the footage was released as a documentary in 2015. Uh, I haven't seen this myself. Let me know if you have. I'd love to hear your thoughts. I gotta check it out, I guess. It sounds very intriguing, and I'm definitely um, curious. But uh, it's it, apparently, um, it, it's it's quite the 
condensing of of a really intense man. So um, finally, uh, the birds, it's it regarded as an undisputed masterpiece. Um, and of course the film, he intended, um, you know, for, uh, the film to, uh, to have, it basically was, um, announced that Grace Kelly, princess, princess Grace of Morocco since 56 would come out of retirement to star in it. And when Kelly asked Hitchcock to postpone Marine until 67 or 64, he recruited Evan Hunter, author of the black Word Jungle to develop a screenplay based on Daphne de Moore's short story. And The Birds, which Hitchcock had republished in his My Favorites in Suspense, and would hire uh, Tippi Hayden to play the lead role. So there's a perfect example. Um, you know, just kind of him bumping somebody on off, you know, just because he it didn't work with his schedule. It was his way or the highway, essentially. Um, and, uh, in her first lead role to be, of course, um, the one I was saying for, uh, the birds, um, you know, she, she signed on, I think for a little more than she intended. So in the birds, Melanie Daniels, a young socialite meets lawyer, Mitch Brenner, uh, in a bird shop and Jessica Tom, Tomley plays his, uh, possessive mother. Hedron, of course, she um, decides uh, to visit him in Bodego Bay, and this is where the movie would be filmed, and carrying a pair of lovebirds as a gift. Suddenly, waves of birds start gathering, watching, and attacking. The question, what do the birds want? It's left unanswered. Um, But, uh, you know, you kind of don't need it when you see the movie. If you haven't already, you don't need to know why the birds are attacking. It's just a insane chaos whirlwind of events um no other way to describe it especially when you get to the schoolhouse so um hitchcock uh, made the film with equipment from revenue studios which made which he uh used to make alfred hitchcock presents um and he said it was his most technically challenging film yet using a combination of trained and mechanical birds against a backdrop of wild ones and every shot was sketched in advance so let's uh take a quick listen to the trailer Someone there? Who is it? Look. Mitch, this isn't usual, is it? We've been out back looking at the chickens. Something seems to be wrong with them. There's nothing wrong with those chickens, Mitch. That's the damnest thing I ever saw. I don't know. It seemed to swoop down at you deliberately. Birds are not aggressive creatures, miss. They bring beauty into the world. It is mankind, rather, who insists upon making it difficult for life to exist upon this planet. I mean, birds just don't go around attacking people without no reason. You know what I mean? I think we're in real trouble. Huh? I don't know how this started or why, but I know it's here and we'd be crazy to ignore it. To ignore what? The bird war? Yes, the bird war. The bird attack. Play. Call it what you like. They're massing out there someplace and they'll be back. You can count on it. I keep telling you, this isn't a few birds. These are gulls, crows, swifts. I have never known birds of different species to flock together. The very concept is unimaginable. Why, if that happened, we wouldn't have a chance. I mean, it sounds so intense. Like, the birds are these, you know, trained serial killers. Oh, but... Anyways, it's a really, really neat, neat film checking, and it's worth checking out. Something I learned, though, I guess the main actress, Hedron, uh, the girl playing Melanie Daniels, you know, she experienced a lot of um, 
harassment on set, especially sexual harassment. Uh, it seemed Hitchcock was really um, obsessed with her. He reportedly isolated her from the rest of the crew and had her had her followed, whispered obscenities to her, had her handwriting analyzed, and a ramp built from his private office directly to her trailer. Um, Diane Baker, co-star, um, said, nothing could have been more ho- horrible for me than to arrive on the movie set and see her being treated the way she was. Um, again, you know, just hitch, what the fuck? Um, anyways, uh, while filming the attack scene in the attic, which took a week to film, she was placed in a cage room while two men wearing elbow length protective gloves threw live birds towards, um, threw live birds at her towards the end of the week to stop the birds flying um, away from her too soon one leg of each bird was attached by nylon thread to an elastic band sewn inside her clothes she broke down after a bird cut her lower eyelid and filming was halted due to doctor's orders so can you imagine that you've been like you're tired you're exhausted you've got birds sewed to your goddamn outfit and he is you know, yelling he wants more at you. Like, just fucking nuts. Um, and so, Maureen, of course, um, uh, Grace Kelly announced that she decided against appearing in this. But, of course, it looks like Hitch just didn't allow it. So, you know, up for controversy. And uh, this is one of the one few roles of Sean Connery's with Hitchcock. So, I haven't seen it. I guess it's worth checking out, but it sounds like it's kind of a bit of a weird romance. Um, so moving on to the later years, 66 to 1980, um, I mean, due to failing health, uh, his output really declined in the last two decades. Um, basically the biographer claimed that Universal forced two movies out of him, uh, which would be Torn Curtain and Topaz, both spy thrillers with Cold War related themes. Um, big actors and actresses, I mean, we got Julie Andrews, we've got Paul uh, Newman, um, just not big notes from him. It seems like, you know, a lot of his flame had been extinguished at this point. So Hitchcock's going to return to Britain to make his um, film Frenzy, based on the novel Goodbye, Piccadilly, Farewell, Leicester Square. And after two espionage films, the plot marked espionage films, the plot marked a return to the murder thriller genre. Uh, Richard Blainley, a violet barman with a history of explosive anger, becomes the prime suspect in an investigation of the necktie murders. Well, sounds pretty interesting, so I might have to check that one out. Um, Hitchcock, this is one of the first ones to allow for nudity. So two scenes showed naked women, one of whom was being raped and strangled. So, uh, yeah, warning, warning. Just just in case you didn't even know that. Um, so, um, again, towards the end of, it, end of his life, um, it, Basically, he's working on the script for a spy thriller, The Short Night, and collaborating with a few others. Um, despite preliminary work, it was never filmed, and due to declining health, um, and his wife, you know, was essentially worried about him, he'd suffered a stroke, it was just essentially uh, published as a book and put into the last days of Alfred Hitchcock's, uh, which is by uh, Freeman. Um, and uh, refusing CBE in 1962, he was a Appointed as a knight commander of the most excellent order by the British Empire. So he is knighted. And um, essentially in 1980, he'd have New Year's honours. And um, he'd be too ill to travel to London. He'd had a pacemaker put in, um, given cortisone injections for his arthritis. Um, But January 3rd, 1980, the British 
uh, Council General presented him with the papers at Universal and uh, asked a reporter after the ceremony why it had taken the Queen so long. Hitchcock apparently quipped, I suppose it was a matter of carelessness, and Cary Grant, Janet Lee, and others attended the luncheon after. His last public appearance was March 16th of 1980, um, where he was introduced um, next year's winner of the American Film Institute Award and would die um, basically that following month, April 29th, in his Bel Hair home due to renal failure. Um, Hitchcock, I guess, in his final moments declined to see a priest, but according to Jesuit priest Mark uh, Hon- Henniger, um, he and another priest, Tom Sull- Sullivan, celebrated Mass at the filmmaker's home. So there's, there's some controversy there. So take what you want. Um, and Hitchcock, of course, being survived by his wife and daughter, and his funeral would be held at Good Shepherd Catholic Church in Beverly Hills on April 30th, where his body would be cremated and his remains scattered over the Pacific Ocean on May 10th. So um, just kind of wrapping up, uh, the themes and motifs, I mean, he developed a lot of cinematic devices for the audience due with voyeur and suspense, uh, the wrong man or woman and the MacGuffin or plot device, essential to characters but irrelevant to the audience. Thus, the MacGuffin was always hazily described um, well, that's kind of how it's hazily described in North and Northwest. So, Hitchcock appears briefly in most of his own films um, and you can actually check out a whole list of those. It's kind of neat, all the different little pop-ups that he has um and uh moving on i mean we've been talking about it briefly while popping up his treatment of women um this is kind of wrapped up really in an interesting way so hitchcock's portrayal of women has been the subject of much scholarly uh debate um so you know we've got a vamp the tramp the snitch the witch the slink the double crosser and best of all the demon mummy don't worry they all get punished in the end uh in widely cited essay of laura mulvey uh she introduced the idea of the male gaze the view of the specter in hitchcock's films and she argued that one of heterosexual that is that during his films as one of a heterosexual male protagonist the female character in his films reflected the same qualities over and over again um roger ebert would write that they were blonde they're icy and they're remote uh that they're imprisoned in costumes that subtly combined fashion with with a sort of fetishism um and they were memori- they memorized the men who often had physical or psychological handicaps sooner or later every hitchcock woman was humiliated so I, I honestly don't know how hitchcock would work today i don't think he would do too well um given some of the scandals in hollywood at the moment and i think that you know technically i mean if you want to talk about butterfly effect he's kind of essentially one to sort of start this whole problem and some of these people never said anything they kept their mouth shut and if you could have intervened then it could have stopped a a lot of the troubles that we have now um but uh like i was saying i honestly don't know how well i would have worked with them if uh if that time ever ever could have happened in my life um, so, as I was saying, Hitchcock didn't exactly, you know, work well with others, and um, he remarked to a lot of, he remarked cast and actors as cattle. I guess during filming Mr. and Mrs. Smith, um, Carol Lambert brought three cows onto the set wearing the name tags, Lombard, Robert Montgomery, and Jean Raymond. They were the stars of the film. Um, Hitchcock believed that the actors should concentrate on their performances and leave 
work on script and characters to the directors and screenwriters. I guess he told Forbes in 67, I remember discussing with a method actor how he taught, was taught and so forth. Um, we're taught using improvisation um, and given an idea and then we're turned loose to develop in any way we want to. I said, that's not acting, that's right. And Hitchcock knew the mechanics of acting better than anyone he knew. So despite the reputation though, Actors and actresses alike still continue to give some of their best and most brilliant performances and continue to come back to work with it. I mean, there is a laundry list of individuals that continue to work with a man. Um, now, he, you know, he won certain awards, but not not many, actually. I was kind of surprised. I mean, didn't walk away with, uh, like, essentially any Academy Awards. He was nominated a bunch of times, but, uh, but never actually won one, which blows my mind. He won two Golden Globes, eight Laurel Awards, five Lifetime Achievement Awards, including the BAFTA Academy Fellowship Award, and in 1979, an AFI Life Achievement Award. He was nominated five times for an Academy Award for Best Director, um, and nominated for 11 Oscars uh, for Rebecca. Oh, and my, my apologies. I guess he won one for Best Picture in 1940, um, the film Foreign Correspondent. Um... Or sorry, Rebecca, blah, I can't read my own notes. Rebecca, nominated for 11 Oscars, won the Academy Award for Best Picture in 1940, and another Hitchcock film would be nominated that year. So there's two. So he only ended up getting one, and realistically, the ones that you'd think that he should get weren't the ones that he should get. So kind of funny. And note to self going forward, I'm going to make cleaner notes. Um, and uh, like I said, you know, really interesting man, uh, truly it fascinating, but at the same time, I don't know if I'd ever want to work with him. Um, personally, I learned that, you know, a, a true hero of mine in film he definitely didn't work well with others, and that kind of makes me sad. Um, this is the best way to put it. Doesn't sound like he was really nice to women, so I don't think I would have had a great time working with him, and he doesn't sound like he believes in, you know, equality on, on set, which is sort of depressing to me. Um, perhaps going forward, you know, if things were different, if he was alive now, things could be different, but you never know. Uh, it seems that, you know, he's really just pigheadish and stubborn. But um, going forward, you know, I I truly do think he's a master of film and, and that we do owe so much to him. So uh, thanks again, guys, for listening. Sorry for bumbling through this one. I thought it would be a little bit better, but maybe it's just the heat. Maybe it's just the weekend. I don't know. Um, but uh, thank you, of course, for listening. Uh, reach out to me on Twitter, Instagram. You know, I love to hear from you guys, which we cover next. What films are you watching? I want to know. Um, of course, how could I improve all of these things? Just talk to me. Let me know. It doesn't bother me in the slightest. In fact, I love to know you are listening. Um, and of course, guys, as always, my friends, keep calm, stay creepy.